Greetings, ladies and gents, and welcome to this latest version of uh, Tales, Tales from Outer Space, where I take an HFY story from somewhere around the internet and read it aloud for your enjoyment. All the relevant links are down below. Like, subscribe, and all that YouTube comf to help this video and channel grow. Anyways, as always, I hope that you enjoy. I would just like to thank the following tier 5 patrons and channel members for supporting the channel. Fallen Angel. Buzz Kennington, Data Magnet, and Bob the Dragon. Thank you again, and now on to the story. Story number one. Humanity exports 98% of all of the galaxy's food. This means that no empire can attack them due to reliance. Of course, someone had to try. Written by Barjakuk. Humans were only part of the galactic community for a short period. Due to the technology, it took them an incredibly long amount of time to even reach the other star systems. When they finally reached Proxima Centauri, the Naxapari Empire was already in the process of creating an outpost in the system. Contact was initiated, and soon after, the humans were formally recognized as a part of the galaxy, though heavily subordinated to the Naxapari. Surrounded by the Nexapari occupations and the restricting to the home system of Sol and the nearby Sirius, they were the most irrelevant species imaginable. Even a deeper look into their biology by the Nexapari failed to find anything noteworthy. Their irrelevance and lack of unique characteristics, though, led the Nexapari to grant them far more independence than they otherwise would have been afforded. After all, why spend time and resources to keep an unimportant and useless state in line? So the Nexapari offered them some resources as compensation for the occupation of Proxima Centauri, and left the humans on their own. If only they knew. Just a few years later, the humans were already establishing research deals with other species. Though not important on its own, the Nexapari was missed one subtle detail. Humanity's invention of capitalism made them really, really good merchants. Seeing that they have nothing of value to offer the galaxy, the richest and smartest people of Sol and Sirius decided to find a way to gain relevance. And find that they did. The methods humans used to gain relevance were not quite the most ethical. The only thing interesting about those Mammalians was a part of their biology which the Naxapari missed. The existence of a very specific mental illness, not found anywhere else, which humanity wielded as a double-edged sword. After learning the effects of sociopathy and the impassing attacks of synesthesia, scholars from across the known galaxy started squabbling over access to human specimens, aiming to make best use of the weirdly useful traits. For their part, humans, lacking most advanced technologies and any other form of relevance, decided that this was their chance to build a stronger position on the galactic stage. They made a series of deals with the Drobagon, Trily, and Sturvi, showing the shocking lack of empathy, literally selling their citizens purely based on the traits and with no regard for their consent, testing entire planets for sociopathy and other illnesses considered potentially useful. In return, they acquired many documents and synapses with specific information about technology used to produce mass quantities of food. Why food? 
That's where the economic genius of humans came into play. Some clever market researcher allowed them to find out what none of the universe's biggest powers, and almost no smaller ones, invested any significant amount of work into mass-producing food. There simply was no reason to. Enough food to feed the planetary populations was easily obtained through farming on planets, and no more was necessary. Why would it be? But stubborn humans spent centuries developing new technologies out of existing ones, researching food compatible with most of the universe's species, and aiming to find the perfect universal food. And yet their success was due to propaganda. After a careful PR campaign, they managed to convince thousands of millions of species all over the galaxy that eating can be more than a prerequisite for survival. It can be a pleasure. Had it worked, food consumption everywhere throughout the galaxy rose exponentially, and within it, a few states were able to sustain their populations purely through their own resources and stockpiles. And what a surprise. Humans had thousands upon thousands of different types of food, aimed towards everyone, some more luxurious than others. In less than a millennium, human consumerism spread throughout the galaxy. Humanity became main exporter of food and built it into a monopoly, jealously restricting food production technologies to their own exporters and effectively forcing the entirety of the galactic community to buy food from them. They became an economic empire, controlling 98% of the food exports despite only living around two stars, something which could easily become a detriment. Soon enough, it did. The proud Nexapari never fully consented to the rising independence of what used to be a subjugated and worthless state fully within their borders. The government openly opposed consumerism, accusing it of being an attempt to weaken the strength of their people. They openly accused the humans of sabotaging the galaxy, making people and entire worlds less capable of defending themselves from attacks. On the 900th anniversary of the first meeting between the Empire and the humans, the Nexapari reminded humanity of their help to all those years ago, demanding their subjugation as payment. The bottom line was simple. If the humans agreed, they'd lose the advantage that they had built and the Nexapari would take control of the booming economy and amazing technology. If they refused, they'd be destroyed by what still was still the strongest empire in the galaxy. Could they really refuse? Turns out, they could. After shielding themselves with a banal, the Nuxapari demands aren't dependent on our decisions. The galactic community refused to intervene, despite the humans begging them to reconsider for seven days. Seven days later, they refused with an open statement and threat issued by the human ambassador. The Nuxapari have held the galaxy in their clutches for far too long. You've embarrassed our people in barely livable standards, stripped us of all but one solar system within years of our arrival on the international stage, and left us to rot, unable to improve our situation. Meanwhile, your empire swims in riches and abuses our weakness on all fronts. You have no right to lay claims upon our state. If we rose, it wasn't due to your minimal help, but our persistence and abilities our determination and skill. Therefore, our answer is simple. No, 
We will keep our sovereignty, and if you plan on taking it away, you'll have to take our lives as well. All over the galaxy, the news of the statement was laughed at in both circles. Nobody had managed to stand up to the next Zapari, and nobody was expecting the Empire of Pavanas to carry any weight. Thinking the same, the next Zapari declared total war, saying that they'll kill every single one of the species of insolent, useless, and overconfident beings. Yet this would soon prove to be ironic. Although it was the Nexapari who declared war, the humans struck first. Within hours of beginning the invasion, something bizarre happened. All the food given to the Nexapari was just, uh, gone. And when the surprised leaders started investigating, they noticed armies of nanobots disguised as perishable food, which were previously undetected. By then, though, it was too late. Millions of Nexapari... Tempted by the delicious food, died within minutes. The nanobots literally burning their bodies from the inside. Even when they thought the worst was over, they started killing more, unexpectedly. Once the Nexapari died, the bots threw themselves airborne in search of a new host, acting as part of the air and entering another unfortunate body to kill again. It wasn't a war. It wasn't even close. It was a slaughter. The thousands that remained instantly called for a truce, and the galactic community, shocked by the genocide, pushed for it. Humans begrudgingly stopped the nanobots, pointing out that even when the Nexapari planned to commit genocide against them, the galactic community had refused to lift a finger. Despite the protests from the galaxy at large, none could move openly against the humans. As a result, the humans forced a peace deal which completely reversed this situation restricting the Nexapari to two symbolic planets and demanding the vesselization under humanity. The Nexapari had no choice but to agree. In truth, the human ambassador lied. They didn't achieve so much thanks to determination, skill, persistence, nor abilities. What they did have was an unbelievable level of cold reasoning and ruthlessness achievable only with enough secrecy to keep their true intent secret for as long as necessary. And as such, nobody can challenge us again. End of story. Story number two. What scares humans? Written by Lane Miller. Captain Dell watched the bridge crew from the corner of their optics. They knew what was causing this. Many of the crew were anxious, breaking out about the scuttlebutt that was making the rounds around every gossip monger in the crowd. There was a new human joining the crew in the next lunar cycle. There had been a single human on the crew before, and they had learned much about the curious species and also solidified many rumors that accompanied them. Descendant from the pursuit predators, Will had been able to work for cycles at a time during an emergency. He was aggressively talkative, always dressed in bright colors, and would bare his teeth as a sign of friendship. It disturbed many of the crew at first, Dalnir. But Will's social tendencies and hard work broke the ice soon, and many of the aliens that he worked with were soon friendly. It helped that the human was always open to answering any questions the crew had, always ready to jump in if someone needed a claw and was frequently found humming pleasantly while he worked. Plus, 
having another omnivore on the ship had been nice. Dell had been able to share many of the dishes from their home planet, although Will usually added some earth salts, which Dell knew contained capsaicin and acid. But Will had not stayed forever, moving on to another job after a while. But that was the way of the fleet. As soon as a good thing was finally put together, they reformatted. Dell had also lost one of the best pilots and four security officers as well. Still, one of the things they had learned from Will was that there was a very few things that humans shrink from. But there was one thing that they all feared. He had talked of it many times as he replayed his experiences as a young human working in shops before coming to space. Dal looked down at the pad, the dreaded thing that Will had described as the most vicious and bloodthirsty of his species right in front of his eye stalks. The new human was named Karen. Will had described the dangerous creature as it demanded a manager many times. Would the crew survive? End of story. And that, my friends, concludes this video. I hope that you enjoyed, and if you do, please consider supporting the author, even by popping over and leaving a thumbs up or a nice comment, just to show your appreciation for the story. However, if you wish to support this channel, there are links down below which will help immensely. I will see you all in the next one, and until then, I hope that you have a fantastic day. Cheers.